Welcome to the Heaping Scoop Podcast, where balance meets lifestyle, the best place to get your mind and body in shape, with your hosts, Andrew Shepard and Bryce Wiggins. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, we will be discussing golf in lieu of the Masters just happening, psychology and entrepreneurship with our friend, Nicolas Otero. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, no problem. So to get us started, what kind of sports did you grow up playing? Um, and where did you grow up? Just as a little background of yourself. Sure. So I was born in Colombia, in Bogota. Um, I didn't live there very long. My dad traveled a lot with work, so we moved around a lot. And I ended up living in Florida when I was probably three or four years old, so a couple of years old. Um, and we grew up playing every sport. I come from a family of three. I'm the oldest of three kids. Um, my sister's five years younger and my brother is seven years younger. And my dad was like a huge sports fan. I think growing up in Chile, like he didn't have a lot of access to sports. And so when he came to America and like we got a house on the golf course and like basically you could play every sport here in your backyard, which you couldn't do in South America. It was like we had everything. So I had my garage. We always joke look like like a like an academy sporting goods store because we had yeah. like tennis rackets and kayaks and punching bags. It still looks like that when you go to their house, like weights and, and, uh, and golf bags and just everything. So I grew up playing pretty much every sport you could think of. I really liked the individual sports. So I never did that well in like the team sports. I wasn't mm -hmm. a team player. I didn't do well in like soccer and basketball. I played growing up, but I mostly played tennis and golf. Obviously golf. I started playing when I was five, four or five years old, I think five years old for real and continued playing the rest of my life. And that's the one I really, really got into. And he got into, and we all kind of invested a lot of time in. I started playing golf when my sister was born, actually. So my sister was born. She's at the house. I was an only child. And then now there was another person there. And so I think like to get me out of the house and to have something to do, he would take me to the golf course every day. We lived probably 20 minutes from a golf course. Um, we used to go to North Shore Golf Club, which will come full circle when we talk about what I'm doing now. But that's mm -hmm. where I started practicing. And we would go there. I did lessons once a week at Bad Dog Driving Range um, with Jeff Riley. He was my first coach. Shout out. And uh, yeah, we'd basically, I remember the lessons were crazy. We'd sit for like an hour and talk about rules and then we'd go hit balls for an hour. And, uh, and, and we just started playing. And I don't even remember because I was so young, but I do have vivid memories growing up of like playing every sport and my dad was unreal at every sport and still is and i was always upset about it yeah. like he's a great skier great tennis player water skier wakeboarding everything you could think of a lot of weird sports like we didn't do a lot of like baseball and basketball we did like water skiing i did a lot of wakeboarding i like skiing on the snow regular skiing a lot of tennis a lot of golf um things like that horseback riding we rode horses for like 10 years so mm -hmm. everything you could imagine that's yeah that's crazy so so i guess to follow up, why golf? Because it can be a very daunting sport and like a give and take type of sport because, you know, you see like all the memes associated with it where like a lot of people are, they get very angry because they can't swing properly or they make a bad shot. They just chunk the ground. <laughs> they just smack the ground instead of hitting the actual ball or just whiff. So why, why golf and why are you so passionate about it? I mean, I, I think when I, like when I started, I don't know if I was passionate about it. Like I said, mm. I was so young. I was five years old. I don't even remember when I started playing golf, to be sincere. 
I, I, I mean, I have like memories at the golf course, but I don't think I chose golf as like my sport. I assume I told my dad, I like the sport more than other sports, but um, I also remember like crying when we had to go to the golf course, we had to go practice and like after tournaments. And so like, I think, I think why he chose it is I think it's a sport that was probably very far from anything he saw growing up. Like he, he told me, and he's told me sometimes like, you know, I saw a golf ball the first time when I was like 15 years old and I didn't know what it was. And so it was like, just kind of a huge deal. And I think there's a lot of other things going on there, like an immigrant family, like golf is like, right, a super high end sport in South America. And it's like, now we live in America, and you can go play golf, and it's 30 bucks, you can go play. And so it's like, I think it was just a sport that probably intrigued him a lot. And so he brought me at the first. And I think also, I was good pretty young. Like, I don't remember being bad at golf, which sounds funny, because I feel like now I'm worse at golf than I used to be. But <laughs> I ever since I can remember, like, I was good at it, because I started so little. So by the time I was like six, I could hit the ball well and I could play well. And especially around adults, that was like super impressive because I'd go play with mostly old people because that's who played golf back then mostly. And I'd be like making pars and birdies and they were like, oh, this kid's amazing. Like, and so people loved it. And I think I got hyped up a lot and I liked it and I started to get engaged. And I think something I see with my kids a lot too, is you start to like identify with being a good golfer. You're like, I'm a golfer and you got the golf hat and like your room, you have all the golf decorations. And once it becomes a part of your identity, you just kind of run with it. And mm -hmm. so I don't actively remember choosing golf or picking up a golf club for the first time, but it's always been a part of my life. Like ever since I can remember I was playing golf, we were near a golf course, we were at the golf course and, uh, and it's carried through this whole time. Awesome. Yeah. And so you, was there a time when, um, I guess you, how do I say that? I, I know we've talked like personally about you not wanting to, I guess, pursue golf you know, professionally, maybe not professionally, but like in college. Um, when did you stop playing golf itself? And when did you start instructing? Like, how was that transition as well? So it was it was gradual. I remember I played golf to give context. So I, I started playing golf when I was five years old. Mm -hmm. I started playing tournaments when I was six years old. I think I shot even par or broke par the first time when I was eight or nine years old. I played in the U.S. Kids World Championship when I was eight years old. I remember I was in third place the first day. So I was very deep into the competitive golf world right away. And I yeah. competed since I was six years old until probably, I want to say, like 16 or 17. Like pretty seriously, like every weekend, basically every other weekend, I was in tournaments I would train at, at the peak. I was training four or five days a week, two or three hours a day after school. I would go straight to the golf course and then train until dark, basically, and then come home and do homework, which was, you know, a lot. But, I, you know, we were invested. Like, we were all in. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a professional. When I was eight, I was like, I'm going to be a golf pro. I'm going to be a billionaire. Like, you know, like all the stuff, um, just like my kids. And, and I, re I was really into it. I really liked it. As I got older, I struggled a lot with like the pressure that I started feeling in golf. So I remember yeah. I'd get very nervous and it happened probably around like 13, 12 or 13. So when I was eight, nine, 10, like I was joke, I was a machine. Like I, cause I didn't care. I was like a kid and I was fearless and I was, I was really good and I would go shoot par and I would win tournaments. I won, I'd like a hundred medals in my house from winning these like little local junior events. And so I would go crush. And, and as I started to get older, I started to care more. And when I was close to 13, 14, I remember the distances got really long on the golf course and I was short always. And some of the kids were huge and it really got in my head. And mm -hmm. I started to kind of struggle, I think, to improve at the same rate. 
And this is something I see a lot now with kids. And we didn't know, like, to preface all this, my dad had no idea what he was doing. I had no idea what we were doing. We'd never (laughs) been in a competitive environment like this. So we were just shooting from the hip, right? So I worked with a bunch of different coaches. Looking back, some of them weren't that good. Some of them were okay. Um, I trained, you know, in a bunch of different ways, which, again, wasn't the best way to do it. But we did what we knew at the time. And as I started to get better and compete in bigger and bigger tournaments, I think it did start to wear on me. And I probably had the conversation of quitting two or three times. I used to fight with my dad a lot. I used to get very nervous before events. So, like, I wouldn't eat the night before. I wouldn't eat the morning of. Um, I worked with a golf psychologist. So, at, at the peak when I was training, it was crazy, right? I'm 15. I had a, a trainer, like a physical mm-hmm. trainer. I had a golf instructor. Where I took lessons. I had a golf psychologist. We would like talk through mental game, right? So it's like $200 an hour to say like, what were you thinking on hole four? And then basically like this whole team already to try to perform in these events. And I think as I got older and older, it was like, I don't know if I'm competing at a high enough level to make it. You start to mature and realize like, I don't think I'm going to go pro. And then it was like, I'll play collegiate. And sincerely, by the time I got to college, I was pretty much burnt out. I was like, I don't really want to compete anymore. I don't see the purpose in it. And when I started working, I think I was probably 13 when I had my first or 14 when I had my first job it wasn't like a real job it was like I just did it for free golf balls and then mm-hmm. 15 16 I started helping at an academy I think I was I, I want to say it was like 17 when I actually started coaching or assistant coaching and making money and I was like this is awesome I like making money I like working I was always good at school and so I was like I don't need to pursue the competitive route I was I had good grades and everything so I got scholarships academic scholarships and they were better than the golf offers I was getting. So I was like, I'm just going to go study business and, and you know, do college. And then I was, my plan at the time was I was going to go into like a big sales job. I was like, I want to be in sales. I'll go work for a big company mm-hmm. and I can play golf, but it's probably not going to be my career anymore. Got it. And so now that transition to, you know, being an instructor, was it very, um easy for you to just get into instructing or how did that process work for you yeah i think easier than most in that it wasn't my career of choice so now that i've learned about the industry like it's actually really tough it's tough to get into teaching it's tough to get certified it's tough to build a book of business i didn't know any of this at the time i was 17 or 16 and i was an assistant and basically a friend of mine who had worked for he worked for a golf academy where I lived. So this is at Eagle Creek, right, where you came out. Um, that's where my parents lived. That's where I lived. And I grew up and I used to train there. He worked at an academy they had there. And he was like, hey, we need an assistant to, like, pick up golf balls and help with the kids. Do you want to help? And I was like, yeah, dope, for sure. And mm-hmm. so I came out and I started helping and, you know, basically just picking up balls. And then, you know, it's kind of blurry how it all happened. But basically, I was good at it and I liked it a lot. And I started helping out with more and more classes. And then eventually it was like, hey, he had so many private lessons. He, he was and still is an excellent instructor. And so he was like, can you do some of my private lessons? I like guess part of my program and I'll pay you hourly. And I was like, yeah, for sure. So I started doing some lessons with the kids. And then eventually people started asking to do lessons with me because they saw me in the groups and I had a good connection with the kids. And then I started doing the lessons. So I wasn't certified as an instructor i wasn't pga i didn't go through any of like the traditional routes Mm -hmm. Uh, so for me it was easy like i was just like this is simple but i also think i had the advantage like i played as a kid most coaches didn't play when they were five they didn't play tournaments when they were nine so they don't really know what the kids are feeling and i was young i was 17 18 so i was like i remember how it felt when i was 10 like it wasn't that long ago it was only like eight years ago so i was like i know exactly what you're feeling like this is what i would do 
And, you know, the golf mechanics after 15 years of training, like I knew enough about the swing to be like, this looks weird. Let right. me move this around, try this, and then ultimately try an error. And I think the big benefit is I had no pressure. I wasn't doing this to feed my family. I was living at home. This was like a high school job turned into college job, mm -hmm. which was, you know, for fun. And I was, and I was making, and then eventually I started making commissions. So I would make 50% of all the lessons I did. And that's when I got really excited because I was like, <laughs> everybody else has like these hourly jobs. I was like, I could just do a bunch of lessons. And that's what I did. I started doing 35 hours a week of lessons, which was crazy because I was studying at the time. But I was like, in high school, I would go straight to the golf course after school and then teach till dark. And sometimes I would go before school and teach like one or two early lessons before they were in school and I was in school. And then in college, I had all this free time because it was college and there was like four hours of class a day. Right. So I would go do my class and then go straight to the golf course and go teach. Got it. Okay, so going off of that, what specific age age group do you teach? Like how like what is the age group that you teach? So right now, I how I started teaching, I started teaching I guess I'll I'll answer the whole question. So I we teach kids from 2 years old to 18 years old. Basically everyone that you would consider a kid, right? Yeah. How I started was working with the young kids. So going off of what I was saying, in the academy where I worked, there was a, a small junior program, right? They had a kind of intermediate and they wanted to start a beginner program for little kids, which are, we're talking like five, six, seven, eight, nine. And this is a demographic, like most, most coaches are afraid to touch because it's like, they're crazy, right? And it's like, they don't yeah. even know how to handle it. Like they just break down. And so, but to me again, no expectations. I wasn't like, I didn't have the golf coach mentality. So I was like, oh, this would be cool. Like just a group of kids. And they had hired an intern to start a junior program for them. And they kind of put me as her assistant and so I went with her and we basically started this program together. I remember it was the first learn to play program. Five kids came. We put flyers in the local kind of newspapers or whatever it was. And and those are the kids I started working with. And through the last six, seven years, that's what I've really focused on is teaching like four, five, six, seven, eight year olds. Now I have programs for intermediate teens, you know, advanced players. And I even started a daycare program. So I have a program for like two and three year olds exclusively, which is what? as crazy as you'd imagine it would be. <laughs> yeah. And so we work with every age, but the focus, I think like what, what I what made us stand out was like being really good at five, six, seven, eight. And is there a reason that you prefer working with the younger age groups, I guess? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. Like, I mean, I think everything, right. The answer is everything. I, I love working with the kids, like candidly going off of like my story, I was going to go into sales and I was like, I'm going to do all this. When I started working with kids, I completely felt, I was like, this is the only thing I ever want to do. I mm -hmm. loved it. And I worked every single day. I don't think I've taken a day off in four or five years from like sincerely from doing what I do. Obviously there's days we don't coach, but from being around it or doing something with it, because I was just obsessed with it. Like I loved it. And I think I didn't come from the golf world. So I didn't even know what the traditional teaching was, which is like on the range with a track man and like, you know, an advanced player and being like, let's aim one degree to the right. Like I wasn't from that world. And so I was like, I get to go cut it up with these kids, right? The kids love me. The parents love me. I love them. We have so much fun. We're playing games. I'm running around with them. We're throwing water balloons. Like I love it. And I'm making commissions. So I was like, if I have 20 kids in a class, I make half of that. And you multiply by how much they're paying per hour. Like, I, I thought it was the coolest job in the world. I was like, this is the best thing ever. And the cool thing is my boss at the time, um, who things didn't end great with, but at the time we we had a we had a good working relationship and he kind of just let me run with the program. Like that intern left 
And then they left me the junior program and they were like, do whatever you want, basically. So I was like, this is awesome. So I would go market to the schools and I would do bring a friend to class day and I would do like Easter parties and Halloween parties. Everybody comes in costume and I would do everything, everything you can think of. And uh, and I just loved it. Like and I still love it. I think as a business, it's a much better business, obviously, personally uh, biased by that. But I think working with young kids, there's much more money to be made than working with most other players. And I think as a as an emotional side to it as like, a, uh, let's call it like what I want my work life to be. It's so much more fun. Like I love being with the kids. I still, and now that I'm running the business, like there's obviously more admin, there's more like away from the kids work, but I miss it every day. Like I'm excited today at three o'clock, I'll go see the kids and I'm pumped. Like I'm excited to get, to, it's my favorite part of the day. I'm excited to get the course. I'm excited to go see them all running around wearing their uniforms, like cutting it up and like, you know, like messing with each other and being like, this guy's got a crush on her and like, whatever. And like, <laughs> I just love that. And I love the little kids coming up to me. And like, it really makes my life when I see a kid like laughing on the putting green, like putting to the shark that I drew six months ago in my house and had designed in <laughs> Columbia. Now it's on the putting green and the kids out there like feeding the shark, like, Oh my God, like we're going to get bit. Like that to me, it just, it, I'm like, there's nothing better. Like I'm, I'm completely obsessed with it. I don't know if that answered your question, <laughs> but it's my favorite thing ever. Yeah. No, it definitely did. And it sounds, and it sounds like you're really passionate about it and it's something that you're making it fun for the kids. So I feel like it's also going to like make golf more popular for kids because the way you describe it, it doesn't sound like typical golf lessons that I've ever heard of before. For Absolutely. Kids I think it's, it's like I said, like people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what we're doing, but we're doing crazy stuff. Like it's not like we don't. I would say the team I built and and in a short time, like I said, I've been running this business for almost just shy of a year, 11 months um, at North Shore Golf Club. We have 260 kids that come weekly to that class um, or different classes, five full time instructors plus myself. So I'm the sixth full time instructor. So it's like growing even faster than I was prepared for. We opened a second facility and I'm currently opening a third. Um, so it's just like it's moved so quickly. But a hundred percent. I mean, I just think what we do is, is left field. And like, when I interview people, it's like, that's I've interviewed, I just hired a new coach. I interviewed, like we screened 25 candidates and I interviewed five. And the one that I ended up interviewing just answered the questions, right? Like he had probably the, like, I don't want to say the least in case he ever listens to this, but he had less <laughs> experience than most, but he, but he had the right answers. Right. And it's yeah. like, that's what I look for. And like, if I've learned anything and I haven't been in this world that long relative to people that have been doing business here for decades, but I've been in the junior golf world for a long time and it's like, it was ready for disruption, right? Like people, it needed to change cause it did suck. Like it was boring. It wasn't mm -hmm. for the kids. It was made for parents and it was made for golf professionals. And one thing like I've preached around the world, it's like golf professionals don't know how to teach kids. And, and we get, I think that there's this like erroneous idea that because you have a lot of information, you're good at relaying that information. And that's just not true. And so I always give the example, like when I train my coaches and I've done consulting and other stuff that we can talk about later, like if, if you have 10 points of information and I only have five, like, let's say, you know, twice as much as I know, because maybe you've been coaching 30 years and I've been coaching 15, or maybe I've been coaching six months and you've been coaching 30 years. It doesn't even matter, mm -hmm. but I'm able to relay three points of information to a five-year-old and you can only relay one. I taught three times as much as you taught. So I'm three times more effective as an instructor. And that's the principle that's like forgotten. They're like this coach everywhere I go. They're like, 
this coach has been teaching for 50 years and he's track man certified. And I'm like, cool. Like who cares? You know what I mean? Like what do the kids <laughs> like them? Cause if they don't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. And so yeah. it's like, if you put a Harvard math professor in a kindergarten classroom, they're not going to be like, this guy's written books. They're going to be like, this guy sucks. Like <laughs> let's get Mrs. Whatever back in here so we can cut it up with the jello. Like, you know, like they want kids don't care. Like kids don't care about what you know. And kids don't learn based on what you know. They learn based on what you're able to teach. And you right. can only teach if you're good at capturing their attention. And that's why, like, the skill's different. And it's not like even – I'll talk a lot about this, but it's not even putting down what they do. Like, I don't know how to coach professionals. I don't know that much about track man. I don't know this, the, the immense knowledge that so many coaches have. They're, like, have been coaching longer than I've been on this earth, right? So they're clearly better at it. But what we do is just not that, right? It's just figure out how do you capture attention of the kids? How do I teach coaches to engage the kids? And then relay one or two things to spark enough emotion to make them want to continue. And if they continue, they'll improve. And if they improve, the parents are happy and then I'm happy. And they continue to grow in the game. And that's the key that I think a lot of places are missing, but especially golf. Like I think soccer's far better at it. You go to watch a soccer class for five-year-olds. They're running around. They're throwing elbows. They're kicking balls. They're rolling on the dirt right? They're throwing water at the end and you go watch a golf class for five-year-olds and they're hitting balls for an hour on the range. It's like, <laughs> yeah. well, I'd rather play soccer too. And then people are like, kids like soccer more. It's like, no, dude, soccer classes are just more fun for kids than golf classes, but they don't have to be. It's just like how you choose to present the, the product to the kids. Right. You have to let them resonate with the information. And it's like at, at the end of the lesson, for example, like the ending is probably one of the most crucial parts I would say and you can you can answer this probably better than I can since you're an instructor but I would say the last 10 minutes or like couple couple seconds even of the lesson you want them to remember that thing and if it's like the most important part about the lesson and it's something that they can take away and remember then you've done your job for the day and I think it'll continue to grow and, and compound over over time, especially if they come back. And yeah, and I guess to uh, to continue that. So explain what your type of philosophy is in terms of like how you teach, because I've asked you and you've kind of explained to me personally. And um, when when I had a lesson with you, and just in those those few like minutes in the beginning, um, I would say like even before hitting hitting balls right with with my irons or and then going to the driver, I feel like I learned more from you than I learned from like an actual instructor that's older and he just does the basic things because um, I I just want you to explain that because it's very interesting to me um, and you can explain it a lot better because you're teaching it and you're living it so please indulge. Okay. So to answer what my coaching philosophy is, I, and, and the philosophy that, that kind of, I use with the kids and philosophy again, it's like, like a big word, but basically what I've been doing and what I think is, is important to coaching is, is understanding like what the point of what we're doing is. And so, like I said before, like I'm very passionate about education in general and education being understood for what it really is and it's like what message are we conveying and what's the purpose of what we're doing i think that's important i think a lot of like teaching gets lost in what's being said and not what's being learned so i'm obsessed and i've been obsessed the last couple of years in understanding like what's actually being received right because i think 
we spend so much time on like just the output, like saying things and like articles and there's seminars and there's universities and like there's tons of information. But what's being taken in is key. And when you work with kids, you have to understand that. So one thing I tell all my coaches and I believe in a lot is like, what is your job as a coach? And I'm a big fan of the word coach and not the word instructor. And I think the wording matters because the wording kind of defines what we actually do. So an instructor instructs, and that basically just means they teach you how to do a skill. And that's what most coaches are. What most golf coaches are, are golf instructors. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's vital and important to learn how to do a skill. But I believe we don't instruct. And even when you were saying before, like, oh, because you're a golf instructor, I was like cringing. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm a golf coach, right? And it's just because I've really mentalized myself. And I tell my coaches, like, never say you're an instructor. Like, you're not an instructor. You, if you if you work here and what we're doing, like, you're a golf coach. And the origin of the word coach, right, a German word, it means the little cart that takes people places, like a taxi cab or an Uber nowadays, right? Maybe Uber will be the new coach one day. Um, <laughs> basically just means it takes you from where you are to where you want to be. That's the root of the word. Like it's a cart that you get in and it, so you say, where do you want to go? And it takes you where you want to go, right? With a horse pulling it. And that's exactly what a modern day coach is supposed to be. So if you have a health coach or a fitness coach or, an, or a math coach, they take you from where you are to where you want to be. And that message to me is vital. Like that's number one in the philosophy is like when I work with any kid and any parent and any family, when I worked with you, the first thing when we did a lesson, I asked you, I was like, what do you want to do? And you're like, I don't know, I hit the ball better. Like you've probably never been asked that. But the truth is like, how can I help you if I don't even know what you want? Right. So like right. the first thing as a coach is what, where do you want to go? And this is the tricky part with kids. They don't know where they want to go. Right. They're kids. They're like, I don't know. My dad brought me here. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Right. And so the, the second piece of this and what I teach so much with the coach and I think is so important. And if more coaches did, they would be, I think, master coaches, even a couple years into coaching is understanding like what is your job at that stage in development? So this is how I see it. Like if a five year old comes to my class, never played golf, which is mostly what happens, never touched a golf club. The goal of the parent is for the kid to start to play golf and get better, right? That's why they're paying me. They're like, I want him to like golf and I want him to get better. The goal for the kid is not that. The goal <laughs> for the kid is I'm here because I have to be, right, really, or because maybe I have some peaked interest. So give me a reason to care. That's the truth, right? And that's, that's the modern day world is like I need to find a reason to gain your attention. That's my goal. So what are my two goals when I start out is like, I want the parent to feel like the kid's getting better. And I want the kid to be like, this is worthy of my time. And that sounds silly to say because they're five, but the truth is like all of us live that every day, right? We have a finite amount of time and we have to choose where we spend it. Kids have endless opportunities. The parents are like, you want to do karate? You want to do golf? You want to do soccer? You want to do ballet? You want to do Kumon? Whatever. And so they get to choose where they place their time or the parent chooses, but they at least get to choose where they engage their attention because kids all day are like, right, butterfly, right? So where are you putting your attention? So my job is to win your attention, right? That's the two pieces. So going back to the philosophy, if I hired one of you as a coach and you said like, what's my job? I'd say, here's your job. When a five-year-old comes to your class, and in this case, 15 five-year-olds, I need you to learn the skills to capture attention. And I need you to become masterful at running games that are so fun that we spike dopamine in the kid's brain that literally like they get excited because we're running games masterfully and it makes them have an emotional moment. What you were talking about before, like the end of the class is important and makes mm -hmm. them want to come back. That's it. Right. That's all you do. And they're like, you didn't say anything about golf. I'm like, I don't care about golf. I care about that. I want you to create high emotional moments that make you want to come back. 
because how does this work? When I have a custom shark head designed and I put it on a golf hole and I put shark fins around it and I say like, you got to putt through all the sharks to try to feed the big shark. And I put a little goldfish on the golf ball and I create this whole game concept and I play with the kids and there's teams and there's group identity and there's emotion. It's like, it's three to three. And then the coach is like, now it's four to four. And like the winner gets a candy. I build this spike of emotion, right? And there's so many chemicals. We can go into all the science of it, but the key is your emotion spikes. And when that happens, regardless of if you won or lost, you want to do it again. This is why casinos work. This is why sports work. Because when you watch sports, you get some of that. Like you watch the Masters, you're like, oh, Brooks is going to win. It's a live guy. It's a PGA guy. You get this teeter-totter of emotion, and then it spikes. And it doesn't even matter who won. You just want to do it again. You're like, I can't wait for the Masters next year. So if you come to a golf class, and I start a putting game with you, and I have another kid, and we create that same emotion, and you spike emotionally, you go home, and you spend the rest of the week, and the parents are like, what do you want to do? And you're like, I want to go back to golf. Why? I don't know. I just want to go back to golf. I had fun. What's fun? That high emotional moment. And here's where it gets crazy. If I can get you to repeat the high emotional moment, right? Because the body naturally wants more of it. They're like, that felt so good. I got so excited. I want to do it again. And then you mm -hmm. want to do it again. And what happens if you do a skill again and again, you get better, right? Because of repetition, because your brain's neurons learn how to fire that skill. So then the kid improves. And now I can make the games harder and harder. So I just build more challenge to expand your horizon, right? But I continue the same process, high emotion, win, high emotion, excitement. I want to come back. I want to come back. I want to come back. And eventually I take that from putting at a shark mouth to playing in a golf tournament. Cause it's the same thing. It's the same exact concept, equally valid, just emotion, risk and reward, right? Emotional peak. I want to do it again. That's all any sport is at its core. And so if I create that, the kid improves fast because they're getting so many repetitions. Parents super happy. They're like, where do I pay? Kids are pumped. They're like, this is so fun, right? And so I accomplished all my goals. I took that cart. I took the parent from where they were to where they wanted to be. And I took the kid from where they were to where they wanted to be. Better at golf, having fun, worthy of my attention. And the parent's like, I'm putting my money somewhere where the kid loves it and he's getting better or she's getting better. And that's mm -hmm. the key. That's my coaching philosophy, right? Create high emotional moments, understand your job, and then guide the child through that process, right? And so where does the skill of coaching come in? It's being a good puppet master to understand how to create those high emotion moments. And all the kids are different and all the development phases are different. Right now I'm doing a, a thing with the Columbian Golf Federation studying development phases. It's like, it's complicated, right? Because a five-year-old might be cognitively nine or cognitively three. They might be physically seven or physically five. And so you have so many variables, but you have to get good at that. And a 12-year-old doesn't care about the same thing a 5-year-old cares about. And an 11-year-old doesn't care about the same thing a 12-year-old. And a girl doesn't care. And so there's you have to create that importance. So is it like you win a piece of candy? That's a really big deal when you're 5. Or is it like you win a dollar? That's a big deal when you're 10. Or you win a trophy and now you're in a ranking. That's a big deal when you're 12. Or you win the Masters and you win $2 million. That's a big deal when you're an adult, right? So it's like it's the same game. Like ultimately, I see like feeding the shark when you're 5 as the same as playing the Masters. Just higher stakes higher time horizon, but it's the same thing. We're just pursuing an emotional spike and a reward that's worthy of our time. It might be $3 million. It might be, you know, a Tootsie Roll. It doesn't matter, right? The thing is it matters to us and there's context. And so that's the entire job of a coach in my eyes and the job of every single coach. And if you say you are a coach, I think you have to have some understanding of what that means, which means like, are you getting people from where they are to where they want to be? And are you doing it in a way that accomplishes their goals? And do you understand that cycle of improvement? And I think most coaches get pieces of it. Very few get it in its entirety. 
Yeah, I think I think the golden question here is why is this not taught, you know, nationwide, worldwide? You know, why is this not in all um, golf coaching philosophy? If there even is one for those coaches out there, you know, I mean, I think I think well, one, we're working on it. But secondly, <laughs> I think, you know. I think, again, like there's different opinions, there's different approaches. And I, I have strong opinions. So I don't want to come at it like this is the only way to do it. There's different ways to teach people. Right. And some people like things differently. But I also think at its core, people are not thinking about why they're teaching or, like I said, the quality of the information being received. They're only mm -hmm. thinking about the quality of the information they're putting out. And that's, I think, the fundamental problem. And I think, you know, where we got lucky, we didn't have a lot of quality of information to put out because all my, co and I say this to all my coaches, all of my coaches combined coaching time, all of us is probably less than some of the big PGA professionals that are teaching in Orlando. Like all of them, like all six coaches combined, because they're mostly 25, 27, 26 year olds. They've been coaching three years, four years. I've been coaching six, seven years, right? So together, let's say we have 20 years of experience or 30 years. There's people that have been coaching 50 years, right? And so I think we didn't have that advantage, so we can't come at it from that angle. So it's like, okay, but I can be really good at what you're actually receiving, and I can just master that. And I think that was my approach when I had nothing else. And now it's like the market and the kids and the parents give me the feedback of like, this works. Like people like this. People want to do that. And also, it sounds so fancy when you throw all the dopamine chemicals in there. It's like common sense. Like, if you make it fun, the kids want to come back. If they come back, they get better. If they get better, the parents are happy, the kids are happy. That's it. And I think most instructors aren't interested in that. Like, I think they want to make adults better. And I don't think the the stereotypical golf professional, I don't even think it's about the money. You know, people go that way. <laughs> I think there's more money to be made running yeah. groups of kids. Like I said, I think people just don't enjoy it. Like I said, if you put me with a golf professional and you're like, hey, Tiger Woods wants to take lessons with you. Obviously, I'd be honored. I'd be like, that's the coolest thing ever. But I probably wouldn't have that much fun. Like, it's just not my vibe. I don't want to be there with the track, man. I don't want to be like, well, why did you mess up? I want to be cutting it up. You know, I want to be out there throwing the water balloons. So it's just like what we like. And I think if you look at the personalities, I study this a lot now that I'm hiring more people and I like consult some federations and stuff. If you look at the stereotypical characteristics of a golf professional, they're usually more analytical. They're very intellectual, Right. They're people that are very methodical. So it's like very numbers people, usually not always like there's, you know, everything has kind of um, variance, but most of them are very sort of like traditional, like very new, like, let me look at the numbers. Let me look at the facts. Like, let me see this. Like, cause it's a very methodical analytical sport, but kids connect with that 0%, right? The characteristics that children connect with are high energy, right? High movement, right? High, all of that, like very secure erratic. You're basically like a kid. And so like, if you look at a soccer coach's characteristics, usually younger, right? Usually higher energy, usually more mm -hmm. movement, usually less of a speaker, less of a thinker, more of a doer. Cause I just want to run around and kick balls. And again, generalization, there's extremes on everything, but that connects better with children. So then you take the other piece. It's like, well, why are more kids playing other sports? Because the coaches for those other sports tend to be better with kids naturally, not like they train for this. They just naturally connect better with children. Because, you know, there's some also there's some logic in that. Like if you're 65, are you going to be running around the soccer field? Probably not. Maybe, but probably not. But a lot of coaches are 60. Like I go to country clubs in Columbia. The average coach is 55, 60 years old. And it's not a bad thing. These are very experienced, knowledgeable coaches. But they're not going to run around with a five-year-old. And I don't blame them, right? Like they shouldn't. They don't right. want to. That would suck for both parties. 
So it's like you need the 25-year-old that's going to go run around, that's going to go throw water balloons, that's going to yell like I'm, you know, like I am. You can tell, obviously, I'm crazy on the golf course. This is like me <laughs> calm. And so you need that. And if you get an army of them, if you get five or six of them and the 10 of them, and then you can get 150 kids out there like having a blast, then I think you can really change the way the game is taught. And I think, I know you want to talk about this and we'll talk about it later, but I think all of these things we're seeing in the world right now in competitive sports too, look at the live tour to make it even more controversial, right? The live <laughs> tour is doing exactly what I'm doing, right? Regardless of whether you agree or not, I'm not saying I even like what I even think about that, but the live tour said, this is golf. Let me make it shorter. Let me make it more fun. Let me pay more, right? Let me make it more energy. Let me make it more noise. Let me capture a different market. And that's it. That's exactly what we did. This is golf. Let me make it more fun, more noise, more music, more colors, more understanding of how people actually consume, right? The entertainment or the information, whatever you want to call it. Professional golf is more entertainment than education, I would say. Uh, mm -hmm. And then let me just put that product out. And then people are like 100%. Got it. And so I guess to kind of backtrack just a tad bit yeah. from the coaching aspect or coaches in general, what do you think is the most common, you know, issues or, or, or mistakes that young golfers are making as well as adult golfers? So two-sided here. You mean like in general or like mechanically? It could be both. Um, just whatever, because I know you, obviously you focus more on, on youth programs, right? Yeah. Uh, what do you, what's like a common mistake that you would see usually that people can kind of take and, and use it as, uh, I guess, as a guideline to better themselves or improve? Yeah, I mean, I think like, that's a big question. Like, I think there's there's so much technique that you probably need to learn. I think mm -hmm. to answer more broadly that I think would benefit more people with kids, and this is going to go towards parents. I don't think a lot of five-year-olds are listening to your podcast, but more yeah. towards parents. I think it's usually not understanding development and rushing processes, right? And it's like, it takes time to get better at things. And it's okay if your kid's not like other kids. Like, that's hard to wrap your mind around. I've got a six-year-old that just won his first U.S. Kids event literally by 20 shots. The kid's unreal, right? Shot 42 <laughs> first tournament ever. Like, and you take, and so people hear that, they're like, that's amazing. I want my kid to be like that. But they don't see, like, the kid comes to an hour-long lesson, and then he stays for an hour and putts. And not like his dad's like, let's go putt. His dad's like, let's go. And the kid's like, I don't want to leave, right? And so, mm -hmm. and he does that every week. And then he does a group class, and he does the same thing. And so the amount of practice he's getting is 10 times what most six-year-olds are getting. And I don't recommend it, because most six-year-olds, if you do that, are going to be like, I never want to play golf again. So I think the big tip for parents is, like, one, understand your child, which is hard if you only have one or if you haven't like been around a lot of kids. I don't have kids, but I'm around 50 kids every day. So I've seen a lot of different types of kids. And I think you have to understand some kids learn at different rates. Some kids care about different things. And it's just respecting that development curve. Like it's amazing how many kids for I was talking to a parent about this last night. I was like his daughter. I was like, she literally came to class for like two years. Didn't really care. Just cut it up with the games. And one day clicked in and was like i love golf i want to play the rest of my life like started coming up so it's like it's crazy i'm like where did this come from like last mm -hmm. week you were complaining about your hair like and so it just clicks sometimes right it, you just get into it it's like i said you start to identify with it so the big tip for the parents is don't rush it and don't underappreciate the athleticism of an activity like people get too mechanical always they try mm -hmm. to do a move perfectly this is an athletic skill it's like throwing a ball but we're hitting a ball with a stick if you develop your kids as athletes first, 
they're going to be better golfers. Like parents are like, what can I do to help at home? I'm like, just go play catch in the backyard because your kid can't catch a ball. They don't have any balance. So it's going to make it a lot harder to learn the golf swing. It doesn't mean they can't, but it's going to be slower versus the kid that at home played baseball, soccer, hockey, tennis. I put a golf club yeah. in his hand, say no words, and he just hits a little like dinger out there because he's like, I've done this. Like I know how my body works. And so the big thing is understanding golf is a sport. It's a skill like any sport. If you play other sports, you're going to be better at golf. And if you teach your kid athletically, instead of trying to create a perfect movement, they're going to enjoy it more because no one wants to listen to their dad be like, put the club here. And they're going to get better, actually, because some kids that can't do the moves, like think about how small a golf ball is, how small a golf club is. Average mm -hmm. kid, a beginner swinging, maybe let's say 20, 30 miles an hour. Like the odds that you even hit that thing are kind of crazy, right? <laughs> it's lucky that even people make contact. If you're a good player, you're swinging 100 miles an hour. Like think about how crazy that is. And so in order to do it, you have to have good coordination and people that don't can develop it. This isn't like some kids aren't naturally born. And I don't even believe that as much as people are like this kid's athletic. But then you ask the parents it's like, yeah, they played catch with him every day since he was four. Right. So like and, there, and there's some genetics for sure. I'm not saying there's not, but I think a lot of it's developed. So I would say for the parents part, just developing athletes and not worrying so much about results and just kind of like letting the kid go at their own rate, which is easier said than done. I get it. Like if I'm paying mm -hmm. for my kid to get better, I want them to win tournaments too. Like I, I get it. I empathize with the parents a lot because it's tough because even I feel it, right? I'm like, how are you, how'd you aim right again? I've told you this a thousand times you go in the water again. Like <laughs> I get it. Right. But, and then for adults, it's like kind of the same thing. It's like, don't, I think adults actually, I'm, I'm going to change my answer. It's a different thing. They, they underestimate volume of training and they overestimate information going back to the education piece. Um, so if like, for example, if you came up to me and you're like, I'm shooting in the hundreds and I want to, I want to break a hundred, like, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, what are you doing? You're like, well, I take a lesson once a month. You told me that. Right. And, and I go to the range like once a week. So I'm like, okay, lesson once a month range once a week. So you're training five hours a month, right? Essentially. Right. If you are, it's just an example. So, right. Yeah. How far do you think you can realistically get with five great hours of training a month? Not that far. Right. And I say this to the parents that are like, oh, my kid's like not improving as fast as that kid. And I'm like, I, I agree. And there's a lot of factors again. But if you if you do a 30 minute lesson a week, I do this example with the parents all the time. Like your kid does a 30 minute lesson a week with us. It's great. I think they're in a good I think they're having fun. Like, let's keep it. But 30 minutes a week. Right. Is only two hours a month if they don't miss a single lesson. And two hours a month, right, is only 24 hours a year if they don't miss a single lesson. And one of my competitive juniors trains 30 hours a week. So in one week, they will lap your kid training in a year, right? So, and but again, I say that with a grain of salt because I'm like, I don't want them to train 30 hours a week. They're going to get bored. But just understand the result you're going to get. And I think adults all the time, like when I used to teach adults, I don't anymore. When I used to, they'd be like, I just don't know how to break 100. And I'm like, dude, you never hit balls. Like, <laughs> what do you expect? Like, you come to the course once a month. I'm like, and I always tell them, like, in your jobs, like, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm a CPA or something. I'm like, imagine if you did your job once a month. How good would you be at your job? Probably not that good. You'd be <laughs> your job 40 hours a week. And it probably took you three years to get decent at it. So you have to transfer that over to a skill like golf. That's even harder than, than some other skills. So I guess going off of that, I guess this question I'm yeah. going to ask you now will pertain more to older people. But how strong would you say your mentality has to be if you want to get better at golf and persist through it? In terms of competition or just like playing for fun? I just get playing for fun. I, I, I've never played golf, but I know like I've seen like a lot of people, they get upset if they get stuck and they're not seeing progress going further. So like, and I feel like a yeah. lot of it has to do with like what you said just now, not having enough hours, but I feel like a lot of the times it's like 
you just have to be mentally tough to realize that if you're not gonna put any time and effort in it you're not gonna see results sometimes so yeah i mean i think you have to be mentally tough to be good at anything right i don't think it's exclusive to golf i think if you're like i want to be the best like I don't know, carpenter in the world, you probably got to be pretty mentally tough because you're going to undergo some difficult stuff. At the high level, everything requires mental fortitude. But I think to me, and and I don't know, this is like an answer. Like I don't really know because I only know through my experience and my kids' experience. Like I haven't lived like enough adult experiences to answer this, I think, well enough for everybody. But I think to me, it's like you have to know yourself. Like you have to know, you have to be self-aware. I think in order to get good at golf and any sport and any skill, you have to be self-aware. And know, like, what what makes you tick. And so, like, for me, I find now, I think it's funny, like, I used to put so much pressure on myself, and I would struggle to perform. Now I go play once a week with my dad for fun. And obviously, the stakes aren't high or anything. But I find myself, like, I play as well as I used to play. I don't train at all. And obviously, like, years of training. But I think also, like, the expectation, like, I don't really care anymore because it doesn't affect anything. And so I perform better. And then you get players that, like, they get mad. And I see this because the kids are so emotional and so different. Some kids will play bad, get mad, and go crush. Like, absolutely crazy. Some kids will hit one shot that they decided is bad because it's five feet right, and they'll completely fall apart, right? Some kids, like, it's just so different. So I think it's hard because kids obviously don't know themselves. They're growing up. That's part of our job as coaches to be like, hey, like, when you feel this, like, how do you transfer this? And, like, kind of that kind of thing. But I think if, if you know yourself, like, if you're the kind of player, like, you hit a bad shot and you get frustrated – and you play worse, then you got to learn to manage your frustration. If you hit a bad shot and get mad and play better, then I would say go get mad. Like, go shank one on the first hole. Like, you got to do what works. There's no solution. I've never found anybody that's like, this is the key to playing great golf. Every golfer does it so different. Ultimately, it's like what works well for you. You look at the PGA guys and now the live guys, like, they all have different approaches. They all have different games. I've gotten to speak to quite a few of them. Some of them are like, know every number, every angle, every everything's perfect. Some of them are like, I just go feel it. And they both do undebatably amazing, right? So mm-hmm. you, obviously there's not one way to do it. I don't know what the right way to do it. But I think you got you to test stuff. You got to find what works. I would recommend working with a lot of coaches. Like at the beginning, see what you connect with. Have a good connection with your coach. Make sure they align with your goals. I would recommend trying different things. Like try playing on the course more. Try hitting balls more. Try putting more. Like just mess around with it, especially if the stakes aren't high and you're doing it for fun. Figure out what works for you and then just keep pushing on it right like that's the best way to learn i think more than like there's no 10-step process or else we'd all be good at golf yeah it's it's like uh the netflix series i don't know if you've seen the short game i've seen it yeah kids yeah they they are crazy like the stakes are high they they want to win everything and some of them actually have gone pretty far in terms of like yeah. uh, amateur, professional, or trying to reach professional level, uh, which is crazy. Um, like those those small moments of like frustration, they take with them and they can use it as fuel. And that's that's with any sport. And if you're like that, by all means, continue to do that because it's 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 working. Um, other people aren't yeah. so technical or like they don't get so frustrated and they just have to feel the game like you were saying and and it will just come to them you know from shot yeah. to shot nicholas what are your thoughts on professional golf especially on live versus pga like what do you think about that yeah absolutely uh i think you know i think professional golf in general uh just to go broad it's obviously such a huge kind of category. And I think in, in terms of the good it does, like for what I do, it drives so much of the industry. 
So like the thing with professional golf and I think professional athletes in any sport is it's such a small percent of the entire industry, right? Like in golf, PGA, if we just talk about PGA for a second, um, you know, it's only like 300 people and roughly and, you know, in, in different tours and things like that. But it drives so much of what golf is and so much of like it inspires so many people. It pushes so much of the industry. It drives so many brands forward. So I think professional golf is just the embodiment of like what people are driving towards. And, and I say that with a grain of salt because like I don't think all kids should try to play professional, but it's just like provides the aspirational drive and the aspirational of like if somebody's done it, like it opens up that it opens up that like can of worms of like we can all achieve greatness to different degrees. And I think that plays such a vital role. And as much as I pull kids away from over competing too young and like not not putting all their eggs and like just trying to be a professional i think it's so important and i'm such a supporter of everyone that plays professional golf and everyone that supports the industry because it, it really does drive and inspire so many kids to just do their best right regardless of where they end up it's like if other people can do that then well i can do this like if, if tiger woods can win this then i can go play this tournament and i can do this and even if it's like i can go talk to this girl and i can go do this test in school even if it's like little things it's just i think people doing big things inspires children to do and take those little steps. So, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of the professional. I mean, as, as a kid, even like growing up, I was super inspired. I living in Orlando, I would go watch the tournaments. I remember seeing tiger meeting Phil Nicholson at Disney Springs one time. And it was like made my life. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. So it, you know, it really drives the kids, um, and flowing into what you ask about the live tour. And I'll tell you in a second, my thoughts on the live tour and the PGA thing. Cause I know that's very controversial and people always want to know, but um, I took the kids, 10 of my students, to the Live Tour event a couple weeks ago, the one they had in Orlando. And, you know, it was a blast. Like, it was so much fun. And I'll say that about the Live Tour. I, I, we had – the kids absolutely loved it. I took 10 kids from, like, 9 years old to 15, right, various ages in my tournament group and, and my learn-to-compete groups. And when they got there, we drove together. We got lost. We couldn't find the parking. We got to the tournament. They started watching and they were like a little bit bored. They were like, how long are we going to be here? Because, you know, we're watching golf and it's like slow. It's like you're watching golf. And then as they got into it and like we went and did some of the stands, I bought them some hamburgers and some Gatorades. I think they got hyped up again. Um, and then we got to meet some of the players and they got some high fives and they like completely lost it. They were so into it. We, we ended up being there like six or seven hours. We got there at like two o'clock and left at eight. And they had the time of their lives. And I'm telling you, these kids coming to practice after this event were different people. And, and you know, like, it's ultimately, like, I don't even think they remembered most of the players' names. But what it did was it just got them so excited to be in that world of golf. I think, like, these pro golfers and the cameras and, like, the snacks and the big advertisements and the games and, like, being like, oh, I'm a golfer too. Like, he hit three wood, I hit three woods. Like, he chipped in, I've chipped in. Like, just seeing that, I think that energy was phenomenal. And I was so pumped for them. It was exactly what I wanted to happen. And so I was so excited about it. Um, and I'll say that transitioning into your original question. Personally, my thoughts between Live Tour and PGA, I'm super pro Live Tour. And that's controversial <laughs> in the golf industry. Uh, but I also, I, I know, <laughs> but I come, I come from, you know, the business side of things as well. Like I'm running this business with the kids. And I think like it's good for business. I think disruption is good for business. I think that every business needs a competitor. And I think it just makes both businesses better. Like I'm, I'm a hardcore capitalist. I'm a hardcore believer in like open market. And I think having another tour that's providing another, another level of service is good, regardless of whether you like it or you think it's better or worse. Like I think the stance that having a competitor in the market is bad is it's kind of a crazy thing to say, right? It's like, well, how, how could it be bad? Um, because it's just going to make them both better. And to be fair, so if you look at the facts, the PGA is paying more. 
they're making more fun events. So, but at the same time, I don't think it's a replacement PGA. I think it's just like a different product. And I think some people are really going to connect. And I'll tell you the truth too, before I, before I went to the tournament, so before I'd even been, I know some of the guys that switched to live and, uh, and I, I was always pro like, I was always like, you know, I think everyone should do whatever they want. If you want to switch money sounds awesome, you know, no problem. But I wasn't like a supporter to live. I was just like, I think it's cool. I don't know how it's going to turn out after going. I think they're going to crush it. And I think it's really going to make an impact. I don't think it'll replace the PGA. I think we'll have like two tours, but I think they're onto a, a really good idea. You know, I don't think they figured it all out. I think there's stuff they need to iron out. But I think this last weekend showed us, number one, the live players are as good, if not better, than all the PGA players. Because if you look at the Masters, they're placing in the same, in the top five, there's two live guys. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, like taking the kids there, I've been to PGA events. I would much rather take kids to a live event, right? If you told me, like, you can go to any tournament, I'd go to, like, Augusta, the Masters, or the U.S. Open, like, one of the majors, uh, for sure. And I'd love to see, like, a PGA tournament. But if I'm taking 10 kids there... I, the live is more fun. Like it just was the shotgun makes more sense. It's faster. There's more energy. There's more to see in less time. And if I think about what I've done with junior golf, it's the same thing the live is doing. It's like this thing was old and people like it, but it's getting stale. Let's make it shorter. Let's make it more colorful. Let's make it louder. Let's make it more controversial and mm -hmm. let's see what happens. And obviously the kids love it. And I think that's the same thing the live is doing. And so I think, it's an interesting debate. I don't know about any of, I have my own beliefs on, you know, the politics of the money and like where the money's coming from. I like, without getting into that, I think purely as a business, it's good to have a competitor. I think it's a different product. I think if people don't like it, they just shouldn't go. Like, I think it's not that big of a deal. And I also think being close to the industry, like, again, I, I know the, some of the players I'm around, like even some of the people in media, I was talking to a photographer that got an offer today to go to live. He's a PGA photographer. He's one of my clients as well. And the people that seem the most affected and like kind of strung up about the livers PGA are not the people closest to it. It's like the people around it, like the fans are going crazy. The players are playing golf. I think the fact that anybody would attack a player online, you know, like, cause I've seen it um, mm -hmm. for like switching tours is ridiculous or say like they did it for the money. It's like, as if anybody in any job, and I've told this to people too, like bankers that are like, how could they switch for the money? I'm like, if, if I offered you what you've made in a lifetime tomorrow to switch companies, you wouldn't even ask what name the company is. If I was like, you've made a million dollars in your life between all your salaries, I'll give you that to switch and then I'll keep paying you to do the same thing you're doing. Would you do it? They'd be like a thousand percent, right? And so <laughs> I think it's hypocritical to say like, oh, they already have money. Like everything is relative. You know, a lot of people have money and they would still make that switch. And so and even if they didn't do it for the money and they just wanted to do something new, I think it's fine, too. So I'm super pro anything different. I think it's good for golf. I think it's good for the kids. I think it's good for business to have disruption. I don't think the, P the PGA is this amazing institution. I'm also pro PGA. Like, I think the heritage is awesome. I think some things you'll never be able to replicate. You'll never make an Augusta the U.S. Open, the heritage of playing 100 years, the same tournament, like you're not going to copy that. But I don't think they're trying to either, you know. So I think there's room for both. And I think it's all going to blow over uh, faster than most people think. I think people are, you know, I hope one day we do like a PGA versus Live Ryder Cup. I'd be hype. I'd go watch. I think that's <laughs> awesome. You know, I think that would be good yeah. for golf. And I think that more people, you know, people like the drama. It's like politics. At its core, it's like it's golf, right? There's people playing, hitting the ball. Like, who cares what the name is under it? No one was looking into where the money from the sponsors was coming into before this. Like, no one knows. I don't know. 
Couldn't tell you. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. But I think the entire situation is net positive, right? It's disruptive, and that's going to make everybody get better, and it's going to make people realize what they care about. Awesome. Yeah, it, I, that would be interesting. Live versus versus PGA. <laughs> that would be a fun a fun tournament. Well, there's been a lot of talk. About it. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I would love it. I would love to do like a live junior league and play against the PGA junior league. That'd be controversial. <laughs> like I'd be, I'd be all about it. I think that's awesome. Yeah. They can make their own youth youth league as well. That'd be pretty cool. Um, it's in the talks. Trust me. <laughs> People are talking about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I believe you. Um, so I guess going off of that. So since you're teaching youth, youth golf and youth programs, right. For those who want to get into golf, since it's, you know, kind of a daunting sport or can be at such a young age um, to kind of grow up and, and get out of that, um, I guess, boring mindset, how can players like aspire to be um, better and improve at the highest level if they want to reach, you know, professional or go collegiate sports or, you know, just play at a more competitive level? what would you give them? What type of advice would you give them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think when it comes to playing professionally, I, I can't give you good advice. I've never played professionally mm -hmm. um, or made a professional golfer. And I, I don't, I don't like espouse to or, or say that I have. So I don't know. I think in terms of getting better, I think just simplify it and start playing right. For most people, the beliefs they have around golf, most beginners are like wrong and it's much easier than you think. And for kids, if you're talking about like getting your kids into golf, it's 100% easy. Just start. Keep it fun. Keep it simple. And it's the same advice for adults. Like, I think just start playing. And I think for people that are stuck in that in-between, that like maybe they've started playing and they're not getting as, as better as quickly as they would like to, mm -hmm. that's where I think it's usually a volume thing. Like that's, and I said this earlier in the podcast, it's like, even with kids, it's like, how much are you practicing? Because people are always looking for answers. And I think that's a big mistake in athletics. Like, this isn't a math test. There's not a right answer. This is a skill. And so you can only build, and you can't even math skill, even getting good at math. You can only build it by, by reps. And they have to be good reps. But I think people, like, especially adults that I see, like, just starting out and they're, like, obsessed with, like, figuring out the right hack. It's like, mm -hmm. there's no hack. Or else we all would have done it by now or we all be selling it. We'd all be billionaires. So it's like, you just have to grind. Like you just have to practice more. And even the kids, I'm right. like, just practice more. Like the more you practice, probably you'll get better at the same rate. And if you want to improve, it's not just practicing over time. You do have to, at some point, increase the quantity you're practicing. I think mm -hmm. people have no idea how much a guy, like a young guy playing collegiate or D1 or, or even like professionally is practicing. And sure, maybe if they've been on tour for 40 years, they're not. But if you compound how much they have practiced, it's ridiculous, right? And some people are more technical and some people are more field-based. But nobody got great at golf without practicing a lot, right? Nobody just clicked <laughs> yeah. in. Like even the greats, so you look at like Tiger, if you watch his documentaries, if you watch his, his history, the most impressive thing about him was how much he practiced. Like it was ridiculous. He was the first person that was like, I'll just practice every second of every day. And everybody was like, what do you mean? You can't do that. He's like, yeah, I can. And then he won everything, right? So it's like, if you just if you just do it more than everyone else and then you apply it on the course, it's unlikely you won't be better than most people. And the reality is most people at that level are practicing a lot. And even, I just came from a junior tournament, like I was telling you before we started, and I was watching the kids play. And some of these kids, like some of my kids did great. Some of my kids did, you know, normal. Some did not so great. 
But the kids that win, sometimes people are like, oh, like, what are they doing? Like, what are they, what are you teaching? It's like nothing. These kids grind. Like these kids show up early, they leave late and they love it. Right. And I'm not pushing them. Like go, they just love it. They're just practicing all the time and they have a club in their hands all the time. And it's like, they text me and the parents videos of them, like putting in their room on the mat after they did golf class. And even like today, when they finished the tournament, five of my kids went to the putting green to do a contest. So it's like, people don't see that. And it's like 15 minutes after 15 minutes before, maybe it's 30 minutes. But if you do that five times a week and you do it for five years, that's a lot of practice. That's a lot mm -hmm. of difference in how fast or quickly that you'll develop as a player. Awesome. And now, is there anything you'd, you'd like to, uh, I guess, leave here today with a message that you'd send out, I guess, to any of your kids or anyone in general who who's uh, interested in golf? Yeah, I would just say, I would just say, keep questioning in, in, in terms of coaching in general, like we started the podcast talking about, I would say for anybody coaching, keep questioning why you're coaching and what your job is as a coach. And for anybody playing, I would say just keep playing without worrying about the result and play as hard as you can and, and have fun as much as you can. And anybody around kids, like just realize why they're there and that it's usually not about the golf. And, and I was talking to a coach about this today, like if you can identify all of the reasons a kid is coming to a golf class or all the reasons any kid is participating in any activity and you can seek to supply them as they grow in the game. And by that, I mean, there's, there's a social pull, right? There's a community pull. There's an identity pull of like, I'm better at something. There's like, I like being outside. There's like, I saw a butterfly. Maybe I'll see it next week. There's all these pieces, right? And if as coaches, I think we can identify that and supply that even as they grow, we're going to have a lot less kids quitting sports and quitting golf, which is the ultimate goal. Great. Well, I appreciate your time. It was, it was great speaking about, about golf business and, and your uh, approach to coaching, I think is very interesting. And uh, for those of you who want to play golf, just get out and play. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get mad, but you'll also be happy for the, the, good, the good shots that you make. Hopefully, you'll make some good shots. But we appreciate the time um, and bringing you on, Nick. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a cool conversation. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate and review each episode and follow us on social media. Stay fit and keep grinding.